Welcome back to Blosian Talks. My name is Ron Efron, and I am here again with Avichai Seri, my colleague. And this week, we'll be talking about a recent conference that Avichai attended in San Francisco. Avichai, how are you doing? And uh, maybe tell us a little bit about this conference, and uh, let's get this started. Yeah, so basically, uh, a week ago, there was International Cybersecurity Conference that was placed in uh, San Francisco, hosted by the company called RSA. Uh, very well-known company. In general, just to give a little bit of a background, like so people could imagine the scale of this conference, there were thousands of vendors, I think, that were showing in the showrooms, and there were at least a hundred sessions in parallel happening at any point in time. So there, there were education sessions, and there were so like an exhibition section as well. Right. So it was there's there's different type of passes people came with different agendas as well as we all know like the security and cybersecurity has many segments and areas of expertise so they tried to accommodate all of those how long was this conference the conference was from monday to thursday okay so it is a relatively long conference a large conference does this happen annually yeah so covid kind of uh hit it as well as many other conferences but uh it's been back in the last couple of years, I believe. Was it a good conference? Was it time well spent for you? And, and what are your main takeaways? What did we learn here? Good question. I think that um, that's something I've been reflecting since uh, since I left the conference, actually. And, you know, me going there and, and the particular role of uh, head of technology of a facility security company, it's kind of a different angle to this whole event. I think that as we talk about a lot during our podcasts, our articles, or any meetings that we have with our clients as well, we express the importance of having that knowledge about the cybersecurity landscape to be able to accommodate any risk analytic kind of process that we need to go through with our clients as well. So to be able to speak not only the facility security language, but also the cybersecurity language as we see, the trend is that all these departments are going to merge. So for us to be part of that blue ocean that we talk about, it's also about having knowledge around these areas. My main objective during this conference wasn't, I don't want to say that it was to go and see uh, different products, because as we know, also the maturity of this trend that we're talking about, the uh, merging of uh, security, facility security and cybersecurity, we're not there yet at that point where facility security managers will have to make decisions about cybersecurity products. In general, we do know about the different types of products that are exist that are out there in the market. Um, but I didn't feel that kind of uh, urgency of going through a thousand different products and analyzing the differences and and really the unique advantages of uh, each one of them. So my approach was to try and learn as much as possible from different uh, sessions that are part of this event. There were a few points uh, that came up. Uh, I think that today we'll try and touch a few of them and we might come up with a follow-up podcast just to dive deeper into some of these topics. Okay, so what are these main points? Maybe let's let's first talk about something interesting that, that is uh, related to the facility security threats as well, and that's the identity. As we know, one of the methods of uh, verifying 
identity is using MFA, multi-factor authentication. Basically, just to the ones that that aren't uh, fully familiar with that, MFA is a method where instead, once a user keys in a username and password into log into any system, uh, the system won't be satisfied only from one credential or one method of authentication. And it will require another method of authentication. Some of them could be SMS verification sent to your phone if it's by email. And there's also using uh, some kind of authentication application that you install on your mobile device. And then it pushes a notification to that application. Those are the main ways of using MFA. Now, something that came up from the cybersecurity point of view, as we know, any defensive mechanism that we create, the attackers are going to try and create an attack against that to be able to access your organization. So regarding identities, identities are the key, let's say the key component to getting access to someone's network. Because once you have the right user with the right credentials, you're basically fully in and you could do whatever you want. You could create your own secret user and start using that. So nobody will be able to really even trace um, your hacking work. The question that came up during this conference in, in different occasions, is this MFA method really secure or is it foolproof? Well, we know that it's not. There are ways of getting around it, but it is better than not having it. Right? And there's various ways of doing MFA. Right. So when so when you say that it's not foolproof, what makes you think that way? Well, I'm not a hacker myself, but I understand if I'm not mistaken, there is, is it called man in the middle? There's some way to spoof that email or there's a ways of, uh, if you can have access to, for example, that method of, that second method of authentication, then you have that full access, right? So if you have access right. to a person's email account and you can get to their password, then you're able to do it that way. So there are better ways of doing that, right? There are, for example, like uh, authentication software. There's other ways around that, but it depends on the degree of what you're trying to protect, I guess. So obviously um, what you brought up is a legit way to analyze that risk, meaning that there might be someone that's able to uh, tap into your second authentication method. And by doing that, they basically have the way to to get more access to your to your user credentials. So one thing that did come up is the ability of using what we call FIDO key. FIDO stands for Fast Identity Online, meaning this method uses a physical component, such as uh, something that looks, let's say, as like discon key, or something that you could connect to your keychain. And basically, anytime that you want to log into one of your systems, that key has to be plugged into your uh, smart device that you're using at that moment. This is something that came up in, in a variety of sessions that I participated in, is that by using this kind of physical key, you're basically reducing the sur- the attack surface because not only that your the identities that you're storing are not online, but let's say the software or the firmware that is installed on that key will also have protection methods. So for example, let's say I connected into my laptop right now and I'm trying to log into one of my servers. 
it, it will have some defensive mechanisms that will try and prevent uh, sending that key to a destination that is not uh, wanted. Now, this isn't something new. There has been similar types of technologies in the past as well. So what's different with this? Right. So it's not a new technology. It's about, is this a better method? Mm. Because we've seen how how the MFA grew, right? In the, in the last, let's say, 10 years. And you could see how basically there's always that part of convenience, meaning the end right. user, the way they work versus functionality or versus so, security all right so there is a secu- way it's all in the sake of security right and it's all in the sake of being protective if we didn't need any security then we don't need mfa at all right so then we want to create something with the user experience that also uh solves our security risks in a way that we feel satisfied right. So do you envision in the future instead of everybody just using standard mfa like we do today that Pretty much every user will be walking around with some type of key fob type of device that they have to plug into their phone and in their computer whenever they want to log into sensitive data. Yeah. So just to give a quick example that we know about Salesforce, for example, is that they don't agree with the approach of doing MFA using email or SMS. They only, they're very strict about using the authenticator app. And by the way, just for the record, it's not only their authenticator app. You can use other third-party authenticator apps as well. But it is an app-generated code as opposed to them sending you or you receiving some sort of code through an email. Right. And when you take products such as Okta, where Okta is an identity management type of product that is also trying, that has MFA methods as well, but is also creating this kind of like extra gate between the user and the the system, the organization's applications, even they have those kinds of risks. So to answer your question, if we envision that that's the future, to be honest, I'm still unpacking that question. I think that in general, these methods come and go, but something will stick for some of the organizations. For others, it might not fit. Um, there's also a question of who's the manufacturer of those keys. Can I trust the manufacturer? In general, I think that the biometric is basically the most uh, identity proof method, meaning that it's not that hackable. It's not easy to hack my fingerprint or my eye. So I would expect that things would be more around those kinds of solutions. So for example, a key that has a fingerprint on it would be something that personally to me would feel very secure. And did you see a product like that at the conference? Not specifically, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is such a thing. Okay. So if you want to wrap up this part of MFA, what are, what's your conclusion? So the conclusion is that it's good to know, first of all, that this is something that the cybersecurity industry doesn't feel in, that comfortable with the way it's working right now. As organizations that are implementing MFA solutions, there should be awareness around, one, like that it's not 100% bulletproof. And two, is that if you go through this whole process of analyzing what product or what way, what method is fit to your organization, it might be that in a year or two, we all will figure out 
um, a better way and we will all have to adapt. So I think that those are kind of important messages to our listeners. What's the next finding? The The next finding that I, I touch um, just for a bit because I know that it, it's a little bit confusing, but it's just the merge of, of security and the facility security and cybersecurity really is coming in place around these products. What I wanted to talk about is imagine that you have your own company with uh, 100 employees. It pretty much means that you have those 100 people. Have Each one has at least, let's say, two devices. So that's 200 devices. You have the back office support, meaning all the server systems that you have for the support of the operations. That's, let's say, there are uh, 100 uh, digital points. So that's three already. And then let's say the facility itself that has its components and the security facility and the appliances and many, many more. So for all, we need to have platforms that are able to, in a smart way, maybe even respond to any type of cyber threat that could come up. Mm. This is something that's been dealt with for a while. But recently, there has been a shift between, of, say, categories of, the, of these kinds of solutions. One is called the EDR, and one is called XDR. Okay, um, what, what, what is that? What is EDR? Right. So, R is uh, the basic, let's say, detection response to the platform. And X is the extended detection response. Mm. Now, today, even today, I, I would say also based on a lot of sessions that I went to, big confusion in the cybersecurity industry when people are evaluate these types of products because they sound and they look very, very similar. As we know in technology, there are industry leaders that create sometimes the definitions of the products. So this is kind of one of those situations. Um, the definition has been created and then it led to types of that, that came in, in place. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to say that's relevant, I think, to this to this group of listeners, to our group, coming from the facility security is that that there's an uh, there's also once reaching the identity part meaning how do you scan or take care of any risk that could come up in relation to cybersecurity and i think that that facility security managers are are very relevant to those risks what do you think oh of course what do you mean no i mean like Saying, for example, if we need to just talk for a second about this point, right, where we see these platforms that are managed and worked, like you need people that have the knowledge how to take the logs that are coming out of these systems and take care of them. Soon enough, we're going to find ourselves with a new angle around it that is growing around the identity. Mm. And for that, it will require the facility security team to be involved. So based on what we hear, there are actually several components that are being added into our network to try and 
uh, mitigate any risk that could come, any cyber risk that could come, for example, a cloud detection response type of solution, uh, mm. a network detection response, endpoint detection response, identity detection response. So when I try and get these platforms, solutions that are that are created, specifically when I look at the endpoint part and the identity part, I feel that that once those uh, products are mature enough, and I feel that that's where uh, facility security will come in place, and they will have to have some new set, like a new knowledge to support the need of the security threats that could come from those areas, any cybersecurity threat. Well, to that point, it's interesting, products like Everbridge, for example, they do have this kind of incidents integrated into one platform where they're able to see the various sort of attacks on the cyber front and also on the physical front and sort of integrate into one platform. That is interesting. And I guess it depends on, you know, there is a, there is a convergence here, if you may, uh, of these threats. And there's various ways that companies can take advantage of this. I just worry that perhaps in the future, like how do you respond to that? Like the response to that might require different skill sets. So right. in a a typical security operations center, you have people that are that are more like security officers. They didn't, they may not be able to react to a cyber threat, even though they see it there. So that cyber threat may be routed to a different team that reacts to those, as opposed to the people that are in a security operations center. But in terms of the monitoring platform, if you may, like that operation center, that there are capabilities today to include like monitoring the network itself, various components on the network and hacking attempts, et cetera. We're seeing more and more of that. Right. So this is definitely something uh, I think we should all pay attention to, right? It's, it's, It's going to meet us one way or another. And I didn't even talk about the facility security devices themselves that need to be monitored, different IoT products that are going to be added into that of course so one of the bigger uh concepts that they talk about is cybersecurity for ot products for items that are in the supply chain physical pieces that Mm. are connected online i think that that's a strong common ground between Mm. facility security managers and cybersecurity managers Mm. Okay, that's very interesting. I understand you have one more point here that you want to bring up. It's about uh, AI and cyber. Is that it? Yeah. So, especially with the uh, Chat GPT kind of uh, revealing itself to the world, right, making it more accessible to everyone. And I actually do think that this is something that we could maybe dive into deeper in one of our future sessions. But there are two angles to this conversation about the impact of the current AI and ChatGPT in the cybersecurity world. So we're talking about the offensive side and the defensive side. If we talk for a second about the offensive side, on the offensive side, hackers have become way smarter. At this point in time, hackers are not these individuals that are sitting in a dark room and, and just playing around. If they were measured in kind, some kind of like business disciplines, ways of measuring a business, they would be huge companies. We're not talking about like SMBs, enterprises that generate a lot of revenue. 
Now, for them, if they're able to learn how to take OpenAI's platform such as ChatGPT and use it to be reactive to detections that are coming from the security side, then basically they will be able to create not just one vulnerability, meaning not just one virus, but they would be able to create a virus that reacts to the detection services and improves itself and changes itself based on that. In a speed that's um, hard for us to understand. A, in a speed that's hard for us to understand, but also that's fast enough to gain that access, right? That's their main goal. Right. So that's on the offensive side. I think that's very interesting to look at that kind of methodology. I think it's a little bit scary. Some of the people, some of the talkers in in the conference were talking more about how there should be international laws around hunting down cyber criminals. And once they have that fear of getting caught in that way and getting punished, it will reduce. But what we see today is that it's like doubling itself every every year, the amount of like exposure vulnerabilities, cyber attacks, threats. Mm. It's all it's all growing rapidly. So that's on the offensive side. Now what we talk about when we talk about the defensive side, we have something obviously is like just as we said right here about the attacks, we could say the same thing about the detection and the prevention. Right. So if let's say a virus came into my organization and I detected it, then I would want to update my prevention platform to prevent that from happening again. When we talk about having better visibility and being better on the reaction to any type of threat, I think that's where open AI type of solution comes in place. When we talk about as I gave the example of 100 employees and we talked about like the, the amount of connected entities, devices, or, or anything that's basically under that scope of responsibility, mm. scale it up, right? And, and I'm not even like, just imagine that uh, if we have 100 employees and each one has their own development environment, for example, there are so many networks that you need to protect yourself from anyone malicious. So having open AI, some kind of tool that is uh, freely reacting um, to be able to like identify your entire network components and to analyze it and to build a plan that that meets your 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 system and to execute on it even automatically. That's pretty much the vision of using open AI for for protection. And that's something that that we're we're far out. Like there's still time to go before we can really use such a thing. But it just also is it, it it's leading the industry towards those conclusions that I think are obvious because we've seen those conclusions in different areas like servers or software and stuff like that. But the amount of cybersecurity products, for example, one person said that he heard about an enterprise that has over has over 40 cybersecurity products in their in their network. Now, it doesn't create better visibility. You need to implement those products properly. You need to have something that that gives you that full visibility. And that's what why we have platforms that they consolidate 
using like something like OpenAI to consolidate mm-hmm. everything that's going on with your network, um, that's kind of something that I think uh, everyone will agree, agree upon very soon and start working in that direction. Okay. Okay. So basically, um, we went over uh, three different points that came up from uh, RSA conference. One we talked about is MFA. How good is it? Where is it going? We talked about network threat detections and response, the different platforms that are created and how it's all going to be consolidated. And we talked about AI and chat GPT and how is that relevant to attackers and defenders. Um, That's very interesting. The whole chat GPT one might merit its own show and we really need to dive into that more. It is changing so fast and so many things are happening. It It really is interesting. Right. So if anyone has any uh, specific points or topics that they would want to hear from us around these areas, feel free uh, to send us an email and we hope you all enjoyed it. Great. Thank you, Abihai. Until next time. Thank you.